Welcome back to another episode of Pat the Fat Man, where we like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. And I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man. Coming at you, not live, but talking about sports ball. Sports ball. Sports ball. We're recording Saturday night in a very densely packed sports ball day. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is like the transition weeks, like right here at the end of September, beginning of uh, October. Because just today, for the teams that I like, I had English soccer, American college football, baseball, hockey, and American League soccer. Yeah, I had uh, college football and baseball, and I watched the NFL football last night. I remember watching that game, but I don't remember that game. And it fell on a Friday? Oh, no, that's right. It wasn't last night. It was Thursday. Never mind. Sorry. That was what, Lions-Packers? Yes. Yeah. And man, the Lions put it to the Packers. To be fair, Jordan Love got like zero help from the great Aaron Rodgers. Well. <laughs> yeah, the man's so great, he did four snaps and then <laughs> blew out his... Got hurt. <laughs> well, you're too hurt in quotation marks. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's 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 dive into this just randomly because why not? So we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. He is the uh he was the former quarterback for the Green Bay Packers following Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Between him and him and Favre, the Packers have been a pretty decent team for a while now. Basically, I'm not going to give him all the credit, but, you know, as a quarterback, you do a lot of work. So because of those two, during their reign as quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers managed to spend all of the goodwill around him from anybody, uh, you know, both Green Bay Packers fans and and non-fans over the last two years. He has just been such a D-bag. Oh, yeah. In so many respects. Oh, yeah. And so uh, he finally called it quits, and he's gone to the New York Jets, also following in Brett Favre's footsteps on that one. So now he plays for the Jets, theoretically. Literally first game of the real season, right? So not, not the three preseason games, the first game. The Jets play. Who are they playing? The Giants, if I, rem- if I remember correctly. No, you don't, because the Cowboys are playing the Giants that week. Oh. We shut them out. 40 to f***ing zero. <laughs> Such a good game. <laughs> oh, there's a better one in like two weeks after that. But uh... Yeah, well, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey, look, the Cowboys own New York. They just do. They own New York. Not as bad as Miami owned Denver this year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 70 to zero. Good gravy. Yeah, we're all over the place, folks, because it has been a fun amount of sports ball. And we haven't been able to talk about it. So <laughs> hang in there with in. this. You're, you're going to get all kinds of random facts to talk around the cooler and you'll be up to date. That is right. <laughs> I am right now trying to log into my Sling account so I can watch the Rangers, because if they could beat the Mariners tonight, then they're going to the playoffs. Guaranteed. Oh, okay. I thought you said they had to play tonight and... Uh... Tonight, tomorrow. As long as they win one of these two. I think if oh, they win tonight... okay. I thought you meant they had to win both. I don't know if they have to win both. I think one does it for them. Are they two and a half games up still? I think it's one and a half. So if it's a half game, that means there's a half game that somebody hasn't played, which I'm assuming is Houston. So there's a game that Houston hasn't played, so... I think they're playing that now, though. What I'm saying is, like, our season ends on Sunday. Our last game of the season is Sunday. I'd imagine most teams are are around that, that same time frame. But if there were games that were rained out or postponed or whatever, they would have additional games to make up at the end of the year. Uh, by our, our season, he's talking about the Cleveland, not Indians, but Guardians. Guardians. 
Sad, sad guardians. So going back to the NFL real quick, uh, Jets played the Bills. The Bills. And they didn't lose that badly, though. No, they didn't. But Rodgers takes... Did he make it four, I, four, four snaps? snaps. See? After the fourth snap, you see him. He's standing there, and then he just casually sits down on the ground like he's taking a timeout or something. And then they have to... They helped him off the field, put him in the tent, and then from the tent, he got onto a cart and had to be carted back to the locker room where they found out that he had torn his Achilles. <laughs> yeah. Out for the season. We don't know when he's coming back, how he's coming back, all that fun stuff. So, yeah. A.A. Ron Rogers. In New York on September 11th. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and, I mean, we're not going to say he got what he deserved, but... <laughs> right. So, for those that don't know, I am very much not an Aaron Rodgers fan. Mostly because he talked about himself and paraded himself around Green Bay as if he was a greater quarterback than Tom Brady. He's only won, I think, one Super Bowl with Green Bay. Has he won one with Green Bay? Well, he's only played for Green Bay up until now. But yeah, no, I, I'm questioning that. I'm, I don't know... I'm not sure he's won. He's certainly not won as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady, but Aaron Rodgers thinks he's the greatest of all time because he's won two MVPs back to back. And I'm sorry to tell you, A.A. Ron, but Tom Brady would have done seven if they didn't think that it was unfair to the rest of the league. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Brady did do seven, right? I'm saying seven MVP With the Patriots? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Oh, my gosh, I didn't even realize South Carolina, Tennessee was today, too. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> just so many good games. Oh, Tennessee must be going for blood on this one. So, yeah, he's only won one Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and that was Super Bowl. I'm terrible at uh, Roman numerals here, but XLV be 45. Okay, so Super Bowl 45 between the Steelers and the Packers. Yeah, so I mean, we were all rooting for the Packers that time because it's Steelers. Everybody <laughs> hates the Steelers. If you don't hate the Steelers, you should. You should start hating the Steelers. I just I can't. Which coincidentally was when Mike McCarthy won the Super Bowl. Huh. Yeah, interesting. All right, so NFL football. So. Week four? Yeah, we're in week four NFL football as of this recording. So game four will be tomorrow yep. of the regular season. Three preseason games before that, which didn't really matter. Yeah. You get a feel for how the team's second and third string are going. Occasionally, you'll see first stringers out there. Knock on wood. Everybody came out healthy for the Browns on that one. Yeah. First, uh, I'll start with the Cowboys. First two games of the season were just fantastic to watch. <laughs> the Cowboys came out of the gate hard and fast. On the defensive side of the ball, they're practically speaking unstoppable. You know, everybody talks about Michael Parsons, and he is fantastic. He is amazing, and he does create a lot of – he creates a lot of plays, and he does well, you know, by himself as well. The reality of it is they're an amazing defensive core. Uh, and they do fantastic. And they've just been getting better year over year. They held the Giants to zero points. Nada. This is a shutout. That doesn't happen very often, ladies and gentlemen. Not in the <laughs> NFL. Usually an NFL team can offense can put it together enough one drive to get down and at least get a field goal. Very, very rare does it happen for there to be a shutout. Offense manages to put up 40 points. I don't think that was entirely the offense. I think the defense had some of those points as well, or basically because made made those happens or special teams did as well. So yeah, the Astros are playing the Diamondbacks right now. So 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the offense was kind of I wouldn't I'm not going to use the word sputtering. Actually, I am. I'm going to use the word sputtering. <laughs> what they've done is they've prior to this year, Dak Prescott was making most of the play calls and Kellen Moore with Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator. So it was kind of him and Prescott making most of the play calls. They have an offensive coordinator now, but Moore got fired in the offseason. We were a little surprised about that, but not super surprised. He seemed to be a really good offensive coordinator, but he couldn't get us to the Super Bowl. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, we were all very surprised and happy that we kept Dan Quinn, who's the defensive coordinator. We pretty, I'm pretty sure he got offered at least one, if not two, uh, head coaching jobs. But he stayed with the Cowboys. I imagine he's probably the priciest defensive coordinator out there. But the offense... It does its job. It doesn't do an amazing job. It's kind of getting a feel for itself, for rhythm. Prescott is no longer making the play calls. The calls are actually coming from the head coach. Interestingly enough, this is going towards kind of how A&M was doing things back prior to this year. It's been a lot of, I don't know, I'm not going to call softball, but it has been a lot of kind of softball football. Second game came out, we played the Jets. We were all pretty happy Aaron Rodgers was out because that guy is just sort of a boogeyman for the Cowboys. We, he's just always been a curse for us. We've never been able to do, do a real good job with beating him. We're kind of glad he was out, and we, and we sort of stomped all over the Jets too. They, they did manage to score 10 points to the Cowboys 30. It was a pretty fantastic game to watch too. Week three was bleeping terrible. <laughs> we go up against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are in the running for worst team in the league this year. Literally somewhere in the bottom three, right? Like, you know, usual suspects down there. You have the Houston Texans and the Cardinals. Are, are they just literally the week before, I think the Giants were down 24 to 12 or something and they came back and won the game like the Giants were down multiple scores <clears throat> against the Cardinals and came back and won the game that was not the case for the Cowboys the defense looked like Swiss cheese that the Cardinals were just able to continuously run through the pass defense was okay but the pass rush seemed to be completely overcome by their ability to run the ball and they were running circles around our defense kind of using our defense's speed against them. Typically, the defensive line was such that the, the their offensive line was able to let our defensive line into the backfield. By the time our defensive line got back there, their running back was already through the line and on the other side. And so it was up to the secondary to stop him. And so it was almost like we had no run defense. There was no run defense and the offense was still kind of sputtery. They were okay. They weren't great. You know, field goal, field goal, touchdown, field goal. That was our, that was our four quarters. And because of Carolina's ability to pick apart our defense, they put up a lot of more, a lot more points. And that was just it. Like our, our offense is not all world. They're okay. They're not great. They're not fantastic. But unless the defense does their job and by their job, I mean an amazing job, the Cowboys aren't going to win the games, at least from what I've seen in the first three games. So I'm not sure what Dan Quinn's got going now. I'm not sure if the Cardinals uh, offensive coordinator just figured Dan Quinn's schemes out, which is what I think he did. And I think they were like, look, we can we can get him if we play like this. And I think they played like that. I got to be honest, I didn't even watch the second half. I turned it off. <laughs> I had COVID that weekend. That was the second day I had COVID, and it was still pretty terrible, and I felt awful. And I was like, I was kind of keeping myself awake to watch the football games. And I was like, this is not worth it. <laughs> and, so, and so I took my NyQuil and went to sleep. <laughs> Cowboys are playing the Patriots tomorrow, 4 o'clock. 
hopefully we look better than we did against the Cardinals. Hopefully we look more like we do we did against the Jets and the Giants. But uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see. This is pretty stereotypical Cowboys. Typically, this happens a little later in the season where we stall out against somebody who's really terrible. And everybody's like, oh, they're fake and they're phony. And, and you know, then we come out and like, we're OK. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So that's kind of where we're at with the Cowboys. Take it away, Browns, man. Yeah. So week one, pretty good. We, we beat Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. It was in Cleveland. It was raining. So a lot of people were going to say, oh, no, you know, Joe Burrow wasn't his best because it was raining. It, it's crap. OK, it's football. You play out in the elements. It was raining just as much for us. You mean, you know, <laughs> that hasn't played out like Joe Burrow has not been good this year. He just hasn't in general. Right now, supposedly it's because of a calf injury that he had in preseason. But he's played in all three games. He's thrown in all three games. He's been out there. And he's looked bad in all three games. Right. They could try to use that as an excuse. But the fact is, our defense is fantastic this year. From preseason all the way through the first three games of the season, our defense has just been one of the best defenses. And across three games, the most rushing yards uh, an opponent has had is 156 total opposing rushing yards. Hmm. For a total of, as I read these stats, for the rushing yards, 2.8 yards per rush. Wow. So that's pretty darn good. But yeah, we beat um, Cincinnati that first week. Um, I wouldn't say handedly, but, you know, good. (laughs) That was a pretty solid win. Yeah, it was a solid win in Cleveland. And then, um, then... We go to Pittsburgh for Monday Night Football. Now, this year, Pittsburgh, despite what their record may say, they're not a good team. They're not Pittsburgh of old. They're not great. No. I mean, their quarterback is still kind of... I mean, this is only a second year in the game, right? You know, Pittsburgh is a pretty good defense. Um, They do not have a great offense. They just don't. He hasn't really clinched with all of his guys. Not all the gears are working together. They don't really have much of a run game. So this was one that because it's Pittsburgh and the history with Cleveland, you you felt pretty confident they were going to win this. Like with Cincinnati, Deshaun Watson didn't look great. He didn't look as bad as last year. He was still having issues throwing on target, but he at least looked more confident. Last year, he didn't look confident at all. He looked like you can when the term rusty comes for a player that hasn't been playing for a while. That is the only that was the best word you could describe Deshaun Watson last year. This year, it's not that his passing game wasn't great, but we had Nick Chubb. And so Nick Chubb kind of just helps your offense out. And our defense was so good that it kept them off the board. We held the Cincinnati Bengals to only three points, one field goal the entire game. So that was a really good start for the Brown season. We go to Pittsburgh, Monday Night Football in Pittsburgh. The game was going pretty good for us. Again, the offense not doing great, but the defense was was really rocking it. Then the worst thing you could think happens, at least for a Browns fan, Nick Chubb gets hurt. And I mean hurt bad. Hurt. Hurt. Like hurt so bad they will not show the replay. Right. TV did not show the replay. When they were on the announcers, when it, uh, when they were showing the replay to the crowd, the crowd you could hear going, ooh. Yeah. Well, the TV announcers were like, we've seen the uh, the footage from the other angles and we're it's not going to show it to you. It's pretty horrendous. Like, we, we're, we're just not going to show it to you. <laughs> so, you know, that was a really, really heavy blow. And uh, we come to find out later that 
he basically blew out his whole knee. He was, you know, ACL, MCL. <laughs> yeah. As of this recording, he had his first surgery to repair the MCL, which went fine. They have to go back in in a few weeks to repair the ACL. <laughs> yeah. And he may have another surgery later on. But they say he should be able to come back and play sometime next year. Yeah. It was not like the beginning of next year. It was like sometime in the 2024 season. I'm just thankful that's the case and that his career isn't over. (laughs) Right. It it will be a big question as to how he's able to play, though. Uh, That's a long recovery time. It is because Nick Chubb is one of those running backs that is and maybe, you know, was a generational kind of talent at running back. I mean, he just, you know, you put him on the field, he's getting you those 10 yards (laughs) and then some, he was going to be like your Jim Brown on the field. Yeah. And so that was a really heavy blow to our offense. And in fact, uh, we ended up losing that game to Pittsburgh 22 to 26. Now, mind you of those 22 points, 14 of those came from, pittsburgh's defense that's how bad our offense was doing (laughs) it was about as classic of a defensive game as you could have had right you know everybody says defensive games are boring and and sure they are kind of but unless you're like a real fan of the defense and really you know like i said i think while we were watching the game it wasn't really a game between the two quarterbacks right watson and and was it waller for the steelers it wasn't because they always say oh okay this is you know so-and-so with the, you know, it's Dak Prescott and the Cowboys versus, you know, Tom Brady and the the Buccaneers. It's always the quarterback and the team, right? Well, right. This one was the two defenses. <laughs> yeah, this was Miles Garrett and the Browns versus uh, T.J. Watt and, and the Steelers. Right. <laughs> and that's that's literally what how it was. Well, you know, and here's the other thing, too. Not once did Pittsburgh's offense score from the red zone. Not once were they inside the red zone (laughs) that whole game. (laughs) That's how good our defense was. But unfortunately, our offense was so bad that they gave up points to the Pittsburgh defense. So, yeah, that's how that that came out. And and it was that game. You try not to put in too much intensity to it, but it definitely turned out to have that feeling of like a Super Bowl game. Like, you know, the whole season kind of rested on this, which I mean, it doesn't. But it's Pittsburgh, so it always does. You always want to beat Pittsburgh. You always want to beat Pittsburgh. And you should have beaten Pittsburgh because they're not good. And provided nothing too terrible happens, we should beat them on the second game of the season when they come to Cleveland. Alas, we lose that game. So come into week three, back home in Cleveland against the Tennessee Titans. And we destroy the Tennessee Titans. Again, limiting their total points to three and our points. We won 27 to three. So another just pure dominance by the defense and the offense looked better. Deshaun Watson was throwing better. He had he was throwing the long ball, which was nice to see. Jerome Ford, who is now our uh, running back one, did okay. Got got some good running yards. Yeah, he looked good. We brought back Kareem Hunt. He hadn't been picked up by anybody this year after we let him go. So we brought him as the backup. He did well. Our offensive line protected uh, Deshaun Watson. He didn't get hurt too badly, which we'll get into that here in a second. Jeez. Week three. So we're two and one. Should have been three and oh. 
but we're sitting good. Next two weeks are going to be probably the toughest two weeks. And probably if we win at least one of those, yeah, I think we'll be good for the rest of the season. But this week we're playing against the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson minus five of their top offensive guys. However, we will be short. Well, so listed Wednesday was Deshaun Watson as questionable for his right arm injury. So everyone's saying he's going to play. And then (laughs) I'm laughing because these are the injuries that just drive me insane. But today, around 12 (laughs) o'clock, we get the news that our number one tight end, David Njoku, is listed as questionable because he has burns to his face and hands that he got from lighting his fire pit at home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And these make me want to scream because it's like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? (laughs) Why are you doing these things? I understand they seem innocuous, but, you know, let's not play with fire and sharp things, you know? (laughs) Why do we have to put you guys into a freaking padded room every time you come off the field? (laughs) Yeah, I want to say I saw, like, uh, somebody had signed for, like, a $51 million contract, and he was out for the season or no from the from the Raiders of course Las Vegas because (laughs) of a domestic violence charge because I guess he was on probation or something in that realm and and I'm just like what how screwed up do you have to be like you're worth like 50 some odd million dollars just keep it in check (laughs) just for a little while you're set for life like just don't don't get involved with stupid stuff and have to go to the police i mean i just uh yeah this is right up there in like in cleveland sports history right up there with uh trevor bauer and uh, the world series the day before game four the world series or something and he has to he tries to play with a cut finger because he cut his finger screwing around with a drone (laughs) of course uh, right <laughs> and he is out there trying to pitch you know and his blood's coming off his pinky and whatnot and they had to be pulled in the middle of the game because they're like you can't be bleeding all over the mound yeah it <laughs> turns out this might be a health issue <laughs> <laughs> can't have you just bleeding everywhere <laughs> right now that being said i think for the first time in a long time the browns are actually still favored in this game against baltimore they were three point favorites now it's down to one and a half that's a good sign as long as our defense keeps doing what it's doing. And basically I think with, from what I understand of all the injuries they have, as long as they can keep Lamar Jackson's running, running yards to like five yards of play, they should be okay. If <laughs> <laughs> they play Baltimore this week, they have by the following a bye week, the following week. And then they go, they play San Francisco at home too. So this is an opportunity. You, you're better off winning this game, putting all your eggs into the basket in this game because it's a division opponent as opposed to playing it safe against San Francisco two weeks from now. Yeah. Because you can got time to recover and you're not having to travel either. So, oh, and I just got a thing here from uh, the NFL app. Watson considered a game time decision. Well, that's not something you want to hear. Oh, man. Especially when your backup is a quarterback who was drafted, a backup quarterback was drafted this year. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that going up against, you know, Baltimore. So I think he I think Deshaun Watson and all the huge money we gave him is gonna have to suck it up on this one. <laughs> oh man. Sorry. The Ole Miss is over fifty five to forty nine at LSU. Ooh. 
with 12 seconds left. Yeah, LSU's got the ball. <laughs> oh my Ooh. gosh. Oh, so many good games today, guys. So, all right. So, let's... at Mississippi 31. That's what that's a, that's the last play I saw. Today. Yeah, let's switch over to uh, college ball. So, college. College, woo. so, our team, as you may or may not know, is Texas AM University. They play in the SEC. So, that's the Southeast Conference. So, before we get to how they've been performing, let's go over the conference craziness that's been going on. As has been known for a couple of years now, the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners will be joining the SEC next year, 2024, as well as the football conference playoff for the national championship is going to be expanding from four teams, which was too small, to 12 teams, which is a stupid number. <laughs> it's just the math doesn't work out. <laughs> no, there's... It's just a stupid number. There's no other way to put it. But it's an expansion, which is good. That's what we wanted. Right. Over this past year, kind of huge wave making and eventually what became a tsunami, USC and UCLA, two of the premier teams in the Pac-12, often ranking in the top 25, decided we're getting out of the Pac-12 and we're going to go to the Big Ten. Right. So that was big news. Besides that, we had some news. There were a bunch of team, four teams that are going to join uh, the Big 12 in order to shore up them losing Texas and Oklahoma. That was going to bring them back to 12 teams because they've been playing with only 10 teams for a while. Um, so there's kind of been two Big 10s, the Big 12 and the Big 10. But either way, so it was going to be the Big 10 was now going to have 12 teams uh, with USC and UCLA joining. But then... All of a sudden, all the Pac-12 teams decided, <laughs> you know what, we're going to go too because uh, the Pac-12 leadership, basically, there's no confidence in the Pac-12 leadership. A, there was a, a common belief that the TV and basically the money involved in TV rights was screwing over the Pac-12 teams. To be honest, most of the Pac-12 games were locked into late uh, TV schedules. So you're talking game starts after 8 p.m. Eastern time. Right. For instance, you know, Colorado, Colorado State was a big, big game, right? And that's Colorado is is now one of the premier teams in uh, the Pac-12. Well, they didn't start till 10 p.m. Right. 10 p.m. Central, 11 Eastern. Right. Like I, I didn't watch the second half because I was tired. and it was a good game it was a solid game yeah it's just the the problem that the pac-12 is always going to have unless they just if you're a pac-12 team unless you're just going to play pac-12 teams the whole year and start them early you're not going to get tv time because the lion's share of viewership is done at eastern time block yeah just how it is i mean i know it's only a quarter of the country but that's where all your football fans really are (laughs) yeah um usc and ucla made the move to the big 10 because well the big 10 is mostly an east coast team midwest east coast and so they're they get good time slots right big noon right big 10 wants to be the competitor to the sec right now and they're not going to be able to do that because the only competitive team in the big 10 is ohio state yeah. Don't tell me Michigan. That's rubbish. They get one or two good years and they've beaten up on Ohio State two years in a row. That don't make them the biggest guy in the conference. That just makes them the guy that's won more recently. <laughs> yeah. And right now, as coming into this week, the Big Ten had more people in the top 10 than the SEC did, you know, including future players. And nobody cares. <laughs> 
Okay. Which game are you excited about? LSU. <laughs> LSU. They LSU fell. dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. <laughs> so that's Ole Miss beats LSU. We're now top in the West. <laughs> yep. All right, so that's the craziness going on. So the Pac-12 basically is folding. Half of their teams are going to the Big Ten. The other half are going to the Big 12. Well, they're not folding. They still got, like, I think, what, Arizona and Arizona State. <laughs> they have two teams. <laughs> you just said. Unless they can basically absorb Mountain West, which is really the only, the, only, the only option they've got. Unless they can absorb Mountain West. And actually, I think some of the game, some of the teams went to the ACC, if I remember correctly. That's really it. That's their only path forward. Just going off of what I'm seeing here. So far, the only two teams staying in the Pac-12 is Oregon State and Washington State. Okay. Everybody else is fleeing. Do you, do you have a where they're all going? Let's see. So Stanford, California, and SMU are going to the ACC. Yep. Those were the late guys. Those are the most recent folks. Right. Especially Cal and Stanford. They were... Stanford, they were really concerned that they weren't going to have an athletics program if <laughs> the Big 12 folded. Because that basically took a lot of the money that comes into the athletics program comes from the football programs and the fact that they weren't going to be getting TV money anymore was going to perhaps starve the rest of Stanford and Cal's um, athletics program. And they do all of the Olympic sports. So that was a big question on everybody's mind. USC, UCLA, Oregon and Washington joined the Big Ten. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah will join the Big 12. Stanford and Cal will join the ACC. And that's all the teams that are moving. That's still quite a bit. Yeah, that's a it's huge. So, so the whole of college football world is going to be changing next year. <laughs> it's all going to look different. As a fan of tradition, I'm somewhat hopeful the Pac-12 figures something out simply because they've been a conference for over 100 years now. You don't see that very often. But it'll be something different, right? Because they won't have pretty much any of their founding teams anymore. Not that it helps them, but it can't hurt them. They should just invite Hawaii in. Yeah, why not? That's out there, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Everyone's doing remote learning these days. They could just, you know, fly into, into California and just stay there all season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> God knows right now they'd love the TV attention in Hawaii right now. Wouldn't they love to have teams fly in there and have their families fly there for games every, you know, few months? Yeah. I mean, right now for the money. I mean, you know, what with the wildfires and everything going on post wildfires. Right, right, right. Recovery from wildfires. Yeah. That's kind of the big, big news. So A&M has kind of a rough start to the season. So first three games of the season, usually two of them are what are referred to colloquially in the college football world as cupcakes. Yep. It's supposed to be easy wins. And then one of them is perhaps against another power five opponent. So somebody in, in one of the other conference. Yeah. Opponent. yeah. So AM's basically, we usually play a single opponent three years in a row. Uh, starting last year, it was Miami. So we've got Miami again this year as our second game. We looked really good against the two <laughs> the two non-Power 5 conference teams. We looked pretty <laughs> sorry against Miami. The offense had a lot of trouble. The defense had a lot of trouble. There were a lot of drop balls. There were interceptions. There was a lot of problems. Me, personally, I blame a lot of it on the wet field. The reality of it is we have had a severe drought here in central or east and central Texas for the last three months, so pretty much all summer. So all summer training, the guys are training on a – dry bone dry field they go to miami it rains for an hour 
Actually, it rains for more than that, but it, it delays the game for an hour because of rain on the field. So this is probably the first, literally the first time any of the AM football players have played on a wet field since last year. This is just unfamiliar ground for a lot of them. And for any of the red shirt and for the freshmen, this is completely unfamiliar ground because unless they're from, you know, somewhere where it rains a lot, they're not playing on, on a wet field. And they haven't played at least together on a wet field. And I think that did a lot of damage to them, to be honest. But they don't look very good. They look pretty bad. And Miami looks good. Miami takes the takes the win on that one. There's a lot of question marks about how good we really are, how well the offense mm-hmm. is really humming. God knows I did. Yeah, the big news for this year is the our new offensive coordinator, right? So coming out of like literally our worst season since the you know, Francione years, so where we only won five games. Well, I got to say, though, despite them looking bad, I thought the play call was good. Yeah, we have a new offensive coordinator. His name is Bobby Petrino. Prior to Sam Pittman, he was the head coach at Arkansas. Sam Pittman's been there four years, so you can get kind of a feel for how long Petrino's been out of the head coaching role. Uh, He was removed due to off-the-field issues, not because he was bad. He was actually viewed as something of an offensive genius. So the hire looked interesting. However, due to the off-field stuff and our knowledge about who Jimbo Fisher is, there was some belief that maybe there was going to be a clash of wills there (laughs) or there would be some problems (laughs) that does not seem to be the case listen i'll just say this i think after the one conference that jimbo fisher had last year and i think it came up in the conference about the the back and forth with with, about alabama and whatnot jimbo fisher you know he said you know is he worried for his job he goes i ain't worried I ain't go or no 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 no. They were wondering if, if Jimbo Fisher was going to take Nick Saban's job because I ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I got ranches out here, <laughs> and I think at this point that Jimbo Fisher just wants to be a game manager. That's the impression I get from Jimbo Fisher. I think his way of thinking of coaching is is trying to impart little bits of knowledge here and there. But I think ultimately he just wants to manage the team so that way he can get credit for the wins. Which you know, fine, whatever. We're locked into his contract, and you know, so far we're having a pretty good season but i think this is where you're seeing where adding petrino in here is making the difference because petrino wants to win he wants to win wants to win he doesn't have a guaranteed contract or anything like that he doesn't make the big money like like jimbo fisher so he wants the wins (laughs) i think that's where you're going to see improvement in our in our team right and so going into conference play so we have our first game against auburn and auburn's not looking great they got a new coach I want to say his name. His first name is Drew. Either way, his last name is Freeze. A lot of question marks about how he's going to do. This is an away game. I believe it's an away game. Yeah, it's an away game. So it's in Auburn. We do pretty well. We look pretty well. We look like we finally got the offense off to an okay start. We sort of stumble in the first half a little bit, you know. The offense looks like it's doing well. We just can't finish, right? We we get down to the red zone. Oh, this was at home. That was at home against Auburn? Yep. Okay. All right, so that was at home. But we get down to the field, we get down to the red zone, and then we can't score. So we we put up a couple field goals. Auburn is able to do a little bit, but not a lot. And it really isn't until the second half where things really come to alive. And it's interesting because it's right at the end of the first half, Connor Wegman, who is our – you know, a number one mm-hmm. uh, standout football quarterback, and he he really does look pretty fantastic. I will say both last year and the game game he played last year, where we won, we beat LSU, 
when we shouldn't have, right? Because <laughs> we looked <laughs> awful and they looked great. And the games where we did well this year, and even in the Miami game, he never looked bad. And he looked pretty good, but again, we couldn't finish. And Max Johnson comes out and he scores every drive, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and we kind of we kind of take Auburn to task over the course of the second half. That was a lot of fun to watch, just to be honest. And to me, very much, it looked very much like a combination of Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino's sort of style of ball. Mm -hmm. Fisher's style is very much, I'm going to take every, you know, every down is going to go to three downs. We're going to, we're going to try and tire the defense out is the goal, right? Plus it eats up the clock. Right. Eat up the clock, tire the other sides, tire the other team's defense out. Then we'll go in and we'll just destroy him in the fourth quarter, right? And that is when things went well, you can watch previous years with Jimbo Fisher. That's what we did, mm. especially when we had decent offensive and defensive lines. When you've got – when you control the line of scrimmage, you can do that kind of thing. Petrino is very much more go for the throat, right? He has more of the Nick Saban view on winning, which is, you know, win fast and win hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. What we're kind of getting out of the two of them is sort of a combination of those sort of styles. I'm seeing a lot of clock management still. I'm seeing a lot of going to third downs, but I'm seeing a lot of pushing things, a lot of, hey, if we can go for it, we should go for it. And if we can take it, we can take it. And that I think is a lot of Petrino. I honestly think a lot of that was with Wegman because Wegman was so young and you want to take things kind of small and slow with the younger quarterback. I think with Johnson, you can open things up since he was a starter for an entire season for LSU. He was a starter for about a quarter of the season with AM, a little more than that, because uh, Haynes King got hurt again last year. And then he's now our starter now um, because Wegman's now out. He's out for still an unknown amount of time. It's something with his leg or his calf, I can't remember. I went or his ankle. It's an ankle problem. I don't know how long he's going to be out for. They really haven't said, but it's potential that he'll be out for the season. And if he is, that'll be interesting because he only played three games. And if you only play mm -hmm. three games and you're a freshman or it's your first year, then you can, you can redshirt the person, which means that year doesn't count for their eligibility. So then he'll get to start next year, whereas Max Johnson, I think, is going to age out. I think this is his fourth year of eligibility between LSU and, and A&M. So time-wise, it might work out for everybody. Wegman will get all, you know, he'll get a fresh start next year. He'll get an offensive line that seems to finally be hiking the ball into the chest instead of on the <laughs> ground and in the air. And that's exactly what we saw today against Arkansas. Except for there was there was a problem earlier or later in the game. Well, yeah, but I I'm saying like what we saw Arkansas's offensive line do, especially their center, was hike the ball at the ground and then way into the air. It robs the quarterback of so much time. And so having having a center who knows how to hike the ball is is worth any weight in gold. It doesn't matter. You can have a if you if you have just a decent quarterback and an offensive line that knows how to do their job, that can hike the ball well and hold the pocket for a minimum amount of time, mm -hmm. you could do you could do anything. Like you don't need an amazing quarterback if you got that. So we play Auburn though, beat them. A lot of question marks. Okay, Auburn's not that great. How good is really AM? How much is that loss against Miami really looking? So going to the Arkansas game, there were a lot of questions. How is this going to go? And it being the Arkansas game, it's always crazy. It's always crazy. Like the Arkansas, you look at the the eleven years that we have played Arkansas at AT and T Stadium, 
almost to a T, every one of those games is nuts. The final score will not tell you. Occasionally it will tell you because it'll say double overtime or overtime. But usually the final score does not tell you how crazy all of the games are because they're always crazy. Last year, it literally came down to a field goal that bounced off of the top of an upright (laughs) (laughs) that cost Arkansas the game in A&M one. And, you know, one of the one of the you know scores last year AM got was because one of the defenders handed the you know ball chest to chest to another defensive player after picking it off and he ran for 80 yards for a touchdown. It's this game is always nuts. And and it was flat out the same thing this year. <laughs> the same thing. We had yet another, yet another field goal bounce off an upright. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That part. Yeah. Yeah. We had two pick sixes. One on both teams. <laughs> we almost had a third. And I'm almost and I'm almost had that one. They brought it in. We had a we had a, a dropped punt. I can't remember. But where a ball came out and well against them. You know, there's forty eight yeah, forty A and M guys on top of it, and it's Arkansas's yeah. boss somehow. Right. That part was like I can't believe we're not challenging that because like I don't know how you come up with the math where three guy three of our guys on top of it and one guy coming trying to come in and get it. Yeah. We had we had zero penalties. Zero penalties against Arkansas. Zero. <laughs> right. Because they were such they were such gentlemen on the field that they never cheated. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe that. It's not it's not the fact that Jerry Jones went to Arkansas and probably paid the refs off. That's not possible. <laughs> it's still lost. Yeah, and they still Lost. But then again, that does. I mean, I, if anything, that brings more evidence because Jerry Jones throws money at something and still loses. I mean, I mean, that's that's the Cowboys of the last, you know, ever since he bought him back when they could win. <laughs> Fire Landry, what an idiot. Anyways, um, <laughs> so yeah, crazy, crazy game against Arkansas. The defense looked on fire. Fantastic. Yes. They were able to stop the run. I'm not going to say they were able to stop the pass so much as they were terrible passers. So I can't I can't tell you whether or not the pass game was any good if they would have been able to, to do well against it. What I do know is they were excellent against the run and they were excellent pass rushing. They got I don't know how many sacks on uh, on the Arkansas uh, QB, but he was not a happy camper by the end of that game. He was pretty ticked off. Anaya Smith had two amazing returns. One punt return. One for a six. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy, crazy run. And and Smith is fast. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't. He's not a chain fast. He's not like fourth back from the guy who went to the Olympics fast. <laughs> he's he's a quick guy, but he managed to get across the entire field and score a touchdown on a on a punt return. And then the next punt return, he went for he went all the way back to the line of scrimmage. So he basically cost him that punt. Now there was a major injury occurred and that it really threw everybody off. It was one of those injuries where they cut away. And then then when they, by the time they come back, it's guy still not on the field. They ended up having to bring the cart out and cart him off the field. Um, you know, everybody's kneeling. It they, you know, it, it was a big, big penalty. Um, and after that, AM was just not in it and they immediately turned the ball over. Right. It's almost like the punt and return never happened. Right. Practically speaking. And then they almost immediately gave up a touchdown. So 
there's that piece of it. There's the touchdown that quote unquote didn't happen at the very end of the game that would have happened <laughs> if the refs had let it play out, but they didn't. And they called it, which which really just skunked everybody who bet on AM because then AM didn't cover. <laughs> like they needed, they only needed one more touchdown to cover. It was a crazy game, which is saying that somewhere between 12 and 18 points of cover. Yeah. It was a crazy game, as it always is. Uh, but AM's defense looked amazing. The offense looked like they hummed pretty well. Johnson is just, he's a veteran at this point. This is his third year playing. And he actually has a pocket and a center who's willing to throw the ball at his chest. So AM's been a lot of fun to watch so far outside the Miami game, which was a lot of not so much fun. And next week we got the big show. Alabama is coming to town. And so Alabama does not look good this year. <laughs> they just flat out they don't <laughs> so my hope is that um we really tear them apart you know i always enjoy good games but then again my heart really doesn't i, c- I could use just a blowout if we could blow them out that'd be great <laughs> so this is how bad alabama looks and despite looking this bad they're still ranked 12th oh they're beat up on mississippi right now <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't beat up on mississippi occasionally us <laughs> occasionally us they're ranked 12th, and the game is at 3.30 Eastern time next next Saturday. That should tell you something, because normally A&M versus Alabama is an evening game. It's usually a prime time, you know, everybody watches kind of game, because there's a lot of hype that usually goes into it. Yep. I mean, shoot, the last time that we beat them, I mean, it was, it was a big game. It was a big game. <laughs> it was won by a field goal that everyone, you know, when he made it, rushed the field. Yeah. It was a Zach Calzada game. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Got two wins over Alabama. I want to see what the odds are on that game. And uh, Haynes King ended up at uh, Georgia Tech, if you're interested. So he he transferred out of A&M, kind of knew Wegman was the future. The same thing, Calzada transferred to, to Auburn. Unlike King, though, or so King is going to get to play, or he did play. He is playing for Georgia Tech, and he doesn't look bad. He looks kind of more like he is where he's where he needs to be. So never thought he was a bad player. It just... He didn't seem up to playing to what A&M could give him at the time. I don't know now, having an offensive line that seems to be able to hike the ball correctly and, and hold a pocket for a minute, if he wouldn't do better, he might. But he seems to be doing okay at Georgia Tech. So lots of other games around the horn. Ole Miss beat LSU, which was a huge deal today. Huge, huge game. Alabama's currently beating up on Mississippi State. So that's... Not unsurprising. Kentucky demolished Florida. Uh, So there's currently three undefeated teams in the SEC. That would be Georgia, not unexpected. Nobody in the West. Everybody in the West has has, has suffered a loss so far. Uh, Alabama's is at the hands of Texas. But oh well. (laughs) But uh, so we got Georgia, Missouri somehow. So Mizzou. And Kentucky. And I want to say all three of them made it through today, still undefeated. I just assume Missouri did because they were playing Vanderbilt, but I guess I could check. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 38 to 21. So Vandy actually put up a pretty decent game there. So good for them. But uh, (laughs) out of those three, George obviously still looks like number one. I think uh, Kirby's probably going to run the table again. You know, I'm kind of hoping A&M gets to play Georgia in the uh, in Atlanta. That'd be kind of fun. And that somehow, some way they. Ooh, just thinking that would be a great trip. You and I meet in Atlanta at the Marriott Marquis. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if you ever looked at prices for staying at that hotel. It yeah, is I not know, I know. cheap. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. If we had listeners that loved us. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Well, we do have <laughs> listeners that love us. We just need a lot more listeners that love us. That's, <laughs> that's what we need. But, yeah. You know, I think that would be the only way and would make it to the playoffs was be if we went in conference championship, beat Georgia, and then Georgia's a one-loss team. We're a one-loss team. They decide to finally go back to, yeah, we'll send two SEC teams to the <laughs> to the playoffs <laughs> instead of, no, no, we have to send two Big Ten teams or two ACC teams just to level the playing field. <laughs> They're not that good. <laughs> <laughs> just just watch. Oh. Right. Well, so isn't that the better part, like two ACC teams? So then what's the point of having their championship? You're just going to take the one and two team from that conference. Why would you pick anybody other than the one and two team from that conference? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it, but whatever. I'm not in charge, so <laughs> I'm not in charge at all. I still want to hit somebody in the head with a claw hammer for not putting us in and putting Notre Dame in that one year. Oh, yeah. What a freaking joke they turned out to be. <sighs> all right. So I think we've we've talked probably college football and football in general to death, and we want to go, what other sports we want to cover? Uh, I guess baseball. Okay. I'll start off because mine's not going anywhere. The Guardians did not make the playoffs. In fact, they finished third, which is really disappointing considering last year they were one game away from going to the American League Championship game. Difference, pitching. Pitching was terrible, and our batting was inconsistent. Pitching was awful. Uh, we lost two of our, our big starting pitchers at the early in the season who didn't come back until like this weekend. <laughs> that was useful. I don't know why you would have started them at all. If you were just going to pitch one more game each at towards the end for the last week. But that the reason why they did that was for this other reason. So all in all, it's been a very sad, sad year because uh, about two, three weeks ago, the head coach, uh, general manager, I don't know what they, what they call him, but Terry Francona, also known as Tito, uh, he said in the most vague terms that he was going to retire at the end of this year, you know, simply saying it's time. And that's very, very sad for me. Tomorrow's the last game. I'm going to be watching that game while I'm watching the Browns game surrounded by Browns fans. And I'm probably going to be a grown man crying in front of other grown men because that's that's a very sad day for me. When he came to Cleveland uh, 11 years ago, after bringing two World Series to Boston Red Sox, I thought for sure this was the guy that was going to do it. He has a connection to Cleveland because his dad used to play for Cleveland back in the day. And he's been a baseball man his entire life. He knows what it's like to be a baseball player. He knows how to treat baseball players in those 11 years. Having only gone to one World Series, he's brought up superstars and raised them, made them into names that you know. You know, Francisco Lindor, Corey Kluber, Shane Bieber. I mean, I, I could go through the list, but I mean, Bieber. Yeah, Shane, not Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> I thought because of how much he loves the city of Cleveland, he loves baseball, and how much he makes the game fun to watch. He, he The way you see him coach young baseball players, you wish every manager could be like him because he makes the game fun to watch. And so um, he's uh, retiring for any number of reasons, not the least of which that, you know, baseball has been a part of his life for 40 plus years. Um, 
he's also got a lot of health issues that he can't take care of while being a manager for a baseball team. So, you know, it, it's one of those things, you know, I, I want him to stay forever, but don't want him to die. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, tomorrow's the, the last game and, um, we'll see how it goes now. And even that, of course, you know, Cleveland and, and how they do things and making things, you know, just more, difficult than they have to be it's not just tito's last game it's also uh they're playing in detroit against the detroit tigers and miguel cabrera is retiring it'll be his last game in detroit too so now you're in this this awkward position of you know who's going to win the last game of their career (laughs) you know terry francona or miguel cabrera and uh so you know you as a fan watching this, do you want to be the selfish jerk that's like, I want my team to win? Or do you want to be like, yeah, he's at home with the home team, you know, have their win, you know? No one has any clue on who the new manager is going to be. No rumors, no whispers, no talk, no Twitters or nothing. Yeah. Well, and that might be waiting for what happens over this next couple of weeks. Yeah, but usually, you know, there's some rumor, you know. Yeah. Hey, you know, maybe we get lucky and we end up getting Dusty Baker from the Strohs. Yeah, you never know. But yeah, that's the Guardians. Yeah, on the Rangers side of the ball, they are attempting to actually make a run. <laughs> uh, it's been 2016 since they've been in the postseason. If, if they win the game tonight against the Seattle Mariners, they will clinch their ability to go to the playoffs because they'll win their division, uh, and then they'll move on to next week's American League uh, division plays. Top of the ninth, Rangers are up 6-1. to one. Looks pretty good. Pretty good, <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, could, yep. still, could still fall apart. You know, we just had a guy round a third on a base hit with zero out, so it's possible. <laughs> so right now, Rangers are one game up on Houston. And let's see if everybody's season ends uh, tomorrow. I think this weekend is it. So it's games tonight and games tomorrow. Uh, Houston's looking to get in as well on the wild card. Um, I think the Orioles are definitely in, if I remember right. They're at 100 games. They're, so they're they're leading the American League in general. This comes out of a whole new coaching management and coaching lineup for the Rangers and a lot of money being put in a lot of different places to, to get the team. But effectively the general manager ended the last season with the words, we're sick of losing. <laughs> Basically <laughs> we are sick of losing. And so that has been very much the theme to this. And I got to say over the course of the season, the Rangers have looked pretty good. They kind of went into a couple slumps here towards the end of the season. as And, you know, interestingly enough, they always go through this in uh, September. It always feels like the wheels fall off the cart. And a lot of it is a question mark about the old stadium. Since this is the first, what I'm going to call real season in the new, in the new ballpark, you know, where you have all the fans and everything. And there's a lot of question marks as to whether that was going to make a big, big difference because, um, you know, August... You know, July and August and September in an outdoor ball ballpark in in Dallas, Texas, is brutal. It's yeah. just brutal. Like there's no other yeah. way. even even at night. Like you know, you play a night game at eight p.m. It's oh, still ninety five degrees the, out. The crew were there just a few weeks ago, and yeah, they had to take a, a water break. Yeah, it was so freaking hot. Yeah, 
playing in an indoor ballpark really changes the game up. So there's a lot of questions as to whether how big of a factor that was going to be. The answer looks like eh, it might be a factor. It might not be. But we'll see. I'm kind of hopeful. This looks like a whole new leaf, a whole new year for the Rangers. Uh, we'll see how far they go. You know, maybe they, they knock it out of the ballpark. They get all the way to the World Series. It'd be great. But hey, just making to the playoffs. I'm pretty happy about that. So, well, speaking of, I thought I wasn't going to have any sort of interest in the playoffs this year. Uh, but I tell you what, it, it, it apparently the news today is uh, the Marlins got a wild card spot. Yeah. The Florida Wild Marlins got a wild card spot, and it's the only the fourth time in team history that they've ever gone to the playoffs. So I tell you what, I'm going to root for the Marlins. Screw it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> that team needs a shot in the arm to save itself, and this could be it. You know, if they get past a wild card round, if they were like the, the Indians last year and they get past a wild card round and they get beaten the division series, that's still a good shot in the arm for that team that's had just terrible, terrible ownership. And, you know, a, a fan base that's just been uh, heartbroken time and time again because they get good players, they win, and then they sell them off. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you and I, we've got some baseball still left in us. That'll be great. Yeah. So just to talk about a little bit how we felt about the, the game, now that we've been through a season, the changes to the game, you know, the, the pitch clock, the hit clock, the only throwing to the first base, you know, two times how those changes have impacted the game. I, I will say for me, they have been game changing. In a positive or negative way? In a positive way. There like I can see myself and I have gone. I've Before, there was no way I was going to go to a ball game on a weekday <laughs> night. No way. Mm-hmm. It's just not because the ball game is going to last three to four hours. You know, it's going to be midnight before I get home. No way I'm going to do it. Now I've gone to three or four ball games on weeknights. I brought my kids because the game only lasts two to two and a half hours. The game moves constantly. I'm never sitting there thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, I wish I was somewhere else doing something else because this is boring my brain out. Like, the no, the pitch clock <laughs> keeps the game moving. And I think it keeps it more interesting because I think it ups the amount of hits that happen. I really do. Well, that combined with the, uh, the no uh, uh, shifting. That too, yeah. So I think it's all made it. A much more enjoyable game. Yes. Like it's finally they've changed the rules in a way that have made the game more enjoyable, which is what they've been trying to do for freaking ever. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And I agree. The games are moving more smoothly. There's no more time wasting between pitchers and batters, you know, to throw one or the other off their game. There are consequences to it. Now, they've had a few issues here and there when it goes to... Plays that happen, going to the next batter and calling for a video review. They've had some hiccups here or there, like questions about rules here and there, but nothing that's ever, I think, been detrimental to the game or to how the the season has played out. They've gotten most of the kinks out, I would say, pretty easily throughout the season. Yep. I think it's made it more, just more enjoyable overall. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So if, if you've ever been to a baseball game, Prior to this season, and you were like, oh my gosh, this is the most boring thing ever. Why would anybody do this? I would say give it another go. Give it another try yes. because it's not it's not boring anymore. It just isn't. Right. It's fun. It's nonstop action. I've gone to two. I'll tell you what. I, I know the Guardians have done this, and I think uh, uh, you've told me that uh, uh, the Rangers have kind of done this. Baseball teams have done a much better job 
and doing pretty much what we've been talking about all season, which is bringing the ticket prices down so that way they get you into the ballpark to spend money. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many different series where the Guardians have done $10 tickets, $12 tickets, $13 tickets, you know. And and granted, these are nosebleed seats, but once you're in there, you, you know, you want to go spend your money. You want to go buy the helmet nachos and, yep. you know, check the beard. It's on thing. I know when I went in June with uh, with my with my stepdad and Casey, I was watching it on TV and they did this thing where the, the on-field reporter talked about a burger they were going to have that weekend at one of the stands and he told me the stand and where, where to go get it and he told me about this like great brisket burger thing you know and i went and i got it <laughs> <laughs> so i mean you know the, I'll, I'll fess up to it yeah marketing works especially yeah. for baseball games i had a fantastic time yeah if you've never given it a shot now's the best time to do it absolutely and uh uh no better time to get into baseball than playoff time let this be the thing that gets you excited and plan for next year. Or if you're near Florida or Arizona, planning on going to spring training and checking out baseball there or looking for a local, you know, triple A or, you know, minor league team. Um, let this playoffs, you know, kind of get you into that mood because baseball, it doesn't have to be the best game in the world. Just a good day out. A good time to go get hot dogs, popcorn, sit there for two and a half, three hours with your family, with your friends, talk to each other about what's going on in your lives and watch a good game. Because I'll tell you, I've seen some fantastic games. Yep. Do we want to mention any other sports before we wrap it up? (laughs) Well, I'll just mention that uh, hockey season's uh, ramping up. I'm excited for that. We're quarter season ticket holders. So 12th is our first game of the season at home. We're looking forward to that. Major League Soccer is going into playoff mode. The crew are going to the playoffs this year, so I'll be excited to talk about that another time. But uh, it's an exciting time for sports. It is. All right. Thanks for joining us on this episode, Pat the Fat Man. Remember, we have a website, patthefatman.com, as well as we're on Patreon. So if you'd like to support the podcast, which we'd really appreciate, we're on Patreon. Pat the Fat Man. We've got a Facebook page, Pat the Fat Man, and we're doing a fairly consistent live stream now on YouTube. Review of currently the Ahsoka series. I think by the time this releases, that'll be over, but maybe we'll keep going with uh, Skeleton Crew whenever that comes out. Um, Yes, and then I'm going to pitch Pat here uh, another uh, streaming thing we can do for another show uh, to kind of get us in between uh, when we're done here. Cool. So, um check us out and uh share us with all your friends and family and everyone you meet on the street i'm pat and i'm the fat man stay classy thank you tato francona thank you for everything you've done for us tonight on pat fm it'll just be pat making soothing noises of the ocean sounds Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Doctor, were you talking to yourself again? No, I was doing soothing, soothing ocean sounds. Is that another like internet term for masturbation? That that's are you recording? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs>